Section 33 of Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 13. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. Library of the World's Best Literature, Ancient and Modern, Volume 13. Section 33. Mrs. Poyser Has Her Say Out from Adam Bede by George Eliot Something unwanted must clearly be in the wind, for the old squire's visits to his tenantry were rare, and though Mrs. Poyser had, during the last twelve month, recited many imaginary speeches, meaning even more than met the ear, which she was quite determined to make to him the next time he appeared within the gates of the hall farm the speeches had always remained imaginary good day mrs poyser said the old squire peering at her with his short-sighted eyes a mode of looking at her which as mrs poyser observed allays aggravated her it was as if you was a insect and he was going to dab his finger-nail on you however she said "'Your servant, sir,' and curtsied with an air of perfect deference as she advanced towards him. She was not the woman to misbehave towards her betters, and fly in the face of the catechism without severe provocation. "'Is your husband at home, Mrs. Poyser?' "'Yes, sir, he's only in the rickyard. I'll send for him in a minute, if you'll please, to get down and step in.' "'Thank you, I will do so.' I want to consult him about a little matter, but you are quite as much concerned in it, if not more. I must have your opinion, too. Etty, run and tell your uncle to come in, said Mrs. Poyser as they entered the house, and the old gentleman bowed low in answer to Hetty's curtsy, while Toddy, conscious of a pinafore stained with gooseberry jam, stood hiding her face against the clock and peeping round furtively. "'What a fine old kitchen this is!' said Mr. Donathorne, looking round admiringly. He always spoke in the same deliberate, well-chiselled, polite way, whether his words were sugary or venomous. "'And you keep it so exquisitely clean, Mrs. Poyser. I like these premises, do you know, beyond any on the estate.' "'Well, sir, since you're fond of em, I should be glad if you'd let a bit of repairs be done to em, for the boardin's in that state as we's like to be eaten up with rats and mice, and the cellar you may stand up to your knees and water in it, if you like to go down. But perhaps you'd rather believe my words. Won't you please to sit down, sir?' "'Not yet. I must see your dairy.' i have not seen it for years and i hear on all hands about your fine cheese and butter said the squire looking politely unconscious that there could be any question on which he and mrs poyser might happen to disagree i think i see the door open there you must not be surprised if i cast a covetous eye on your cream and butter i don't expect that mrs satchel's cream and butter will bear comparison with yours "'I can't say, sir, I'm sure. It's seldom I see other folks' butter, though there's some on it as one's no need to see. The smell's enough.' "'Ah, now this I like,' said Mr. Donathorne, looking round at the damp temple of cleanliness, but keeping near the door. 
I'm sure I should like my breakfast better if I knew the butter and cream came from this dairy. Thank you, that really is a pleasant sight. Unfortunately, my slight tendency to rheumatism makes me afraid of damp. I'll sit down in your comfortable kitchen. Ah, Poyser, how do you do? In the midst of business, I see, as usual. I've been looking at your wife's beautiful dairy, the best manager in the parish, is she not? Mr. Poyser had just entered in shirt-sleeves and open waistcoat, with a face a shade redder than usual from the exertion of pitching. As he stood, red, rotund, and radiant, before the small, wiry, cool old gentleman, he looked like a prize apple by the side of a withered crab. "'Will you please to take this chair, sir?' he said, lifting his father's armchair forward a little. "'You'll find it easy.' "'No, thank you. I never sit in easy chairs,' said the old gentleman, seating himself on a small chair near the door. "'Do you know, Mrs. Poyser, sit down, pray, both of you. I've been far from contented for some time with Mrs. Satchel's dairy management. I think she has not a good method, as you have.' "'Indeed, sir, I can't speak to that,' said Mrs. Poyser in a hard voice, rolling and unrolling her knitting, and looking icily out of the window as she continued to stand opposite the squire. Poyser might sit down if he liked, she thought. She wasn't going to sit down, as if she'd give in to any such smooth-tongued palaver. Mr. Poyser, who looked and felt the reverse of Icy, did sit down in his three-cornered chair. And now, Poyser, as Satchel is laid up, I am intending to let the chase farm to a respectable tenant. I'm tired of having a farm on my own hands. Nothing is made the best of in such cases, as you know. A satisfactory bailiff is hard to find, and I think you and I, Poyser, and your excellent wife here, can enter into a little arrangement in consequence, which will be to our mutual advantage. Oh, said Mr. Poyser, with a good-natured blankness of imagination as to the nature of the arrangement. If I'm called upon to speak, sir, said Mrs. Poyser, after glancing at her husband with pity at his softness, you know better than me, but I don't know what the chase farm is to us. We've cumber enough with our own farm. Not but what I'm glad to hear of anybody respectable coming into the parish. There's some as have been brought in as hadn't been looked on in that character. You're likely to find Mr. Thurl an excellent neighbor, I assure you. "'such a one as you will feel glad to have accommodated by the little plan I'm going to mention, "'especially as I hope you will find it as much to your own advantage as his. "'Indeed, sir, if it's anything to our advantage, it'll be the first offer of the sort I've heard on. "'It's them as take advantage that get advantage in this world, I think. "'Folks have to wait long enough afore it's brought to em. "'The fact is, Poyser,' said the squire, ignoring Mrs. Poyser's theory of worldly prosperity, "'there is too much dairy land, and too little plough land on the chase farm, to suit Thurl's purpose. Indeed, he will only take the farm on condition of some change in it. His wife, it appears, is not a clever dairywoman like yours.' "'Now, the plan I'm thinking of is to effect a little exchange.' 
if you were to have the hollow pastures you might increase your dairy which must be so profitable under your wife's management and i should request you mrs poyser to supply my house with milk cream and butter at the market prices on the other hand poyser you might let thurl have the lower and upper ridges which really with our wet seasons would be a good riddance for you there is much less risk in dairy land than corn land mr poyser was leaning forward with his elbows on his knees his head on one side and his mouth screwed up apparently absorbed in making the tips of his fingers meet so as to represent with perfect accuracy the ribs of a ship he was much too acute a man not to see through the whole business and to foresee perfectly what would be his wife's view of the subject but he disliked giving unpleasant answers unless it was on a point of farming practice he would rather give up than have a quarrel any day and after all it mattered more to his wife than to him so after a few moments silence he looked up at her and said mildly what dost say mrs poyser had had her eyes fixed on her husband with cold severity during his silence but now she turned away her head with a toss looked icily at the opposite roof of the cowshed and spearing her knitting together with a loose pin held it firmly between her clasped hands say why i say you may do as you like about giving up on any o your corn land afore your lease is up which it won't be for a year come next michaelmas but i'll not consent to take more dairy work into my hands either for love or money and there is neither love nor money here as i can see only other folks love themselves and the money as is to go into other folks's pockets i know there's them as is born to own the land and them as is born to sweat on it here mrs poyser paused to gasp a little and i know it's christened folks duty to submit to their betters as far as flesh and blood'll bear it but i'll not make a martyr myself and wear myself to skin and bone and wear it myself as if i was a churn with butter a-comin' in it for no landlord in england not if he was king george himself no no my dear mrs poyser certainly not said the squire still confident in his own powers of persuasion you must not overwork yourself but don't you think your work will rather be lessened than increased in this way there is so much milk required at the abbey that you will have little increase of cheese and butter making from the addition to your dairy and i believe selling the milk is the most profitable way of disposing of dairy produce is it not ay that's true said mr poyser unable to repress an opinion on a question of farming profits and forgetting that it was not in this case a purely abstract question i dare say said mrs poyser bitterly turning her head half-way towards her husband and looking at the vacant armchair i dare say it's true for men a sit in a chimney corner and make believe as everything's cut with ins and outs to fit into everything else if you could make a puddin with thinking o the batter it'd be easy getting dinner how do i know whether the milk'll be wanted constant what's to make me sure as the house won't be put aboard wage afore we're many months older and then i may have to lie awake o nights 
with twenty gallons o milk on my mind and dingle'll take no more butter let alone payin for it and we must fat pigs till we're obliged to beg the butcher on our knees to buy em and lose half of em with the measles and there is the fetchin and carryin and you'd be a welly half a day's work for a man and horse that's to be took out of the profits i reckon but there's folks that hold a sieve under the pump and expect to carry away the water that difficulty about the fetching and carrying you will not have mrs poyser said the squire who thought that this entrance into particulars indicated a distant inclination to compromise on mrs poyser's part bethel will do that regularly with the cart and pony oh sir beggin your pardon i've never been used to havin gentlefolks servants comin about my back places a makin love to both the jails at once and keepin em with their hands on their hips listenin to all manner o gossip when they should be down on their knees a scourin if we're to go to ruin it shanna be with our back kitchen turned into a public well poyser said the squire shifting his tactics and looking as if he thought mrs poyser had suddenly withdrawn from the proceedings and left the room you can turn the hollows into feeding land i can easily make another arrangement about supplying my house and i shall not forget your readiness to accommodate your landlord as well as a neighbour i know you will be glad to have your lease renewed for three years when the present one expires otherwise i dare say thurl who is a man of some capital would be glad to take both the farms as they could be worked so well together but i don't want to part with an old tenant like you to be thrust out of the discussion in this way would have been enough to complete mrs poyser's exasperation even without the final threat her husband really alarmed at the possibility of their leaving the old place where he had been bred and born for he believed the old squire had small spite enough for anything was beginning a mild remonstrance explanatory of the inconvenience he should find in having to buy and sell more stock with well sir i think as it's a rather hard when mrs poyser burst in with the desperate determination to have her say out this once though it were to rain notices to quit and the only shelter were the workhouse then sir if i may speak as for all i'm a woman and there's folks as thinks a woman's fool enough to stand by and look on while the men sign her soul away i've a right to speak for i make one quarter of the rent and save another quarter i say if mr thurl's so ready to take farms under you it's a pity but what he should take this and see if he likes to live in a house with all the plagues of egypt in it with the cellar full o water and frogs and toads hoppin up the steps by dozens and the floors rotten and the rats and mice gnawin every bit o cheese and runnin over our heads as we lie in bed till we expect em to eat us up alive as it's a mercy they hadn't eat the children long ago i should like to see if there is another tenant besides poyser as it put up would never havin a bit o repairs done till the place tumbles down and not then only with beggin and prayin and havin to pay half and bein strung up with the rent as it's much if he gets enough out of the land to pay for all he's put his own money into the ground beforehand see if you'll get a stranger to lead such a life here as that a maggot must be born in the rotten cheese to like it i reckon you may run away from my word sir continued mrs poyser following the old squire beyond the door 
for after the first moments of stunned surprise he had got up and waving his hand towards her with a smile had walked out towards his pony but it was impossible for him to get away immediately for john was walking the pony up and down the yard and was some distance from the causeway when his master beckoned you may run away from my words sir and you may go spinnin underhand ways a doin us a mischief for you've got old harry to your friend though nobody else is but i tell you for once as we're not dumb creatures to be abused and made money on by them as has got the lash in their hands for want o knowin how to undo the tackle and if i am the only one as speaks my mind there's plenty o the same way o thinkin in this parish and the next to it for your name's no better than a brimstone match in everybody's nose if it isn't a two three old folks as you think o savin your soul by givin em a bit o flannel and a drop o porridge and you may be right in thinkin it'll take but little to save your soul for it'll be the smallest savin you ever made with all your scrapin there are occasions on which two servant girls and a wagoner may be a formidable audience and as the squire rode away on his black pony even the gift of short-sightedness did not prevent him from being aware that molly and nancy and tim were grinning not far from him perhaps he suspected that sour old john was grinning behind him which was also the fact meanwhile the bulldog the black and tan terrier alec's sheep-dog and the gander hissing at a safe distance from the pony's heels carried out the idea of mrs poyser's solo in an impressive quartet mrs poyser however had no sooner seen the pony moved off than she turned round gave the two hilarious damsels a look which drove them into the back kitchen and unspearing her knitting began to knit again with her usual rapidity as she re-entered the house thee's done it now said mr poyser a little alarmed and uneasy but not without some triumphant amusement at his wife's outbreak yes i know i've done it said mrs poyser but i've had my say out and i shall be the easier for it all my life there's no pleasure in livin if you're to be corked up for ever and only dribble your mind out by the sly like a leaky barrel i shan't repent sayin what i think if i live to be as old as the old squire and there's little likelihood for it seems as if them as aren't wanted here are the only folks as aren't wanted in the other world but they would not like movin from the old place this michael mass twelve month said mr poyser and goin into a strange parish where they knowest nobody it'll be hard upon us both and upon father too eh it's no use worritin there's plenty of things may happen between this and michael mass twelve month the captain may be master afore then for what we know said mrs poyser inclined to take an unusually hopeful view of an embarrassment which had been brought about by her own merit and not by other people's fault i'm none for worritin said mr poyser rising from his three-cornered chair and walking slowly towards the door but i shall be loath to leave the old place and the parish where i was bred and born and father afore me we should leave our roots behind us i doubt and never thrive again end of section thirty three